The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonhalls, or Success Publishing International. More willpower than a barefoot woman at a shoe sale. Able to stretch a single paycheck for an entire month. Makes money concepts easier than third grade math. Introducing your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonhalls. Work all day, stress all night. Take your mind off your money and focus on your life. Money don't matter for the stuff it bought. It's the way you think, not what you got, yeah. Unlock Your Wealth Radio starts now. Get your right. Today's show is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at unlockyourwealthradio.com slash freebook and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Thanks so much for stopping by, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Heather Wagonhalls, and I am flanked by my producer extraordinaire, Michael Terry. And we are here to help you get your money mind right on today's show with these following great features. So we are effectively one away from the end of the season. Isn't that crazy? It just seems like it's flown by. Yeah, moving fast. Yes, we are. So we are on our 12th key in our Keys to Ridges Financial Wellness Series, and that is practicing the three R's, review, revise, and recommit. Different from the ones you grew up with, which was reading, writing, and arithmetic. But these help you grow financially and monitor your success. And this particular key in and of itself is what differentiates us from the rest of the money management programs out there. Because just like dieting, budgeting doesn't work. You have to be in fluid motion. What do we know about success? It's all about behavioral flexibility. And so when it comes to money management, we need to have financial flexibility in our lifestyles and our money management to be able to deal with life's little challenges. And, you know, some of us have more than others. (laughs) Like something happened to my flowers and I can't figure it out and this time it wasn't rabbits. So, (sighs) stress. Uh, Moolah word of the day, we have an index to talk about that's relevant to you. Minutes on your money, how about five ways money can destroy a marriage that you may not know about? I know, and being that I'm on marriage number two, I could probably add six, seven, and eight to that list. (laughs) And uh, like I said, our key for the week, practicing the three R's trivia, always based on a previous show. And our trivia for this week is going to be based on Forget the Perfection Principle. Uh, so Insiders Club members are always entered to win fabulous prizes. However, if you are not a member but still would like to compete for fabulous money management tools for free, then all you have to do is answer this week's trivia question correctly. This week's trivia question is... In Forget the Perfection Principle, we talked about forgiveness. And we also talked about another F word we were supposed to do, which was focus. 
And so that is the basis of your trivia question. We are supposed to focus on the blank of the blank. And so in order to win, you have to fill in the blanks. Get it? <laughs> focus on the blank of the blank. You look perplexed, Michael. Are you not remembering? Yeah. No? All right. Well, hopefully you remember, and if you do, you can win one of three ways. You can call in, chat in, or email in to win. If you are listening live at our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com, just hop in the chat room. Hi, I'm here. Come visit. Or if you are driving around and not listening live, you can visit us with a telephone and share with us your right answer. That's 1-866-966-9420, 1-866-966-9420. If the line is busy, keep calling back because nobody in front of you may have known the right answer. So you may still be a winner. And then last but not least, if you were listening from a podcast and you know, hey, we're on Stitcher Radio. I had no idea we've been on Stitcher since 2011. Stitcher Radio. Stitcher Radio. So it's on your phone. It's an internet radio gig that pulls all kinds of stuff. And we're in the top 30. I can't believe it. I was flipping my cookies when I visited the website. I got some emails saying, hey, you're on Stitcher. And I'm like, hey, why didn't you tell me three years ago? But it was really cool. We got pretty great numbers, too, as a matter of fact. So um, everybody's enjoying Stitcher. So, you don't get any checks in the mail from Stitcher? Uh, that would be negative, Ghost Rider. That's probably why I didn't know. <laughs> and how does Stitcher get, it, get to use this show for free? Um, they probably pick up our feed because we're everywhere with our feed. You know, uh-huh. once you get up on feed burner, I mean, anybody can repurpose your feed, which is great. Yeah. You know, because the more the merrier. Because we're, we're able to help that many more people. So that's what's pretty cool about it. So, yeah, so you can listen to us on the Internet, on your telephone, with the app, with your Stitcher app. I'm so excited. So, uh, yeah, so if you are listening from your Stitcher app or you are listening from the Internet from Stitcher, then all you have to do is send us an email, and that is trivia at uywradio.com, trivia at uywradio. Dot com. And if you have no idea what the answer is to this week's trivia question is, you too can still be a winner because Audible.com is one of our sponsors, keeping this show free and available to all of you. And they will give you a free audio book and a free 30-day trial just for trying out their service. All you have to do is visit our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com forward slash free book to get started right now. So wasn't that fun? Yeah. So uh, so we're going to go from something happy like free stuff to something not so happy like five ways money can destroy your marriage for minutes on your money. Uh, one of the greatest moments in one's life is getting married. Oh, the birds are singing. Life is good. The flowers smell sweet. Whether it is your first time, second, or more, uh, you are excited to start your new life in a new chapter with that special someone. We all go into the marriage knowing that there might be some disagreements, but nothing you two can't handle because you're in love. I know. It seems like you can do no wrong. For the most part, you might be right, and your love may be able to handle simple arguments. However, there might also be some very important topics you might not have covered before you said I do, like moolah. And moolah is the biggest, the single largest factor in divorce. Sure. 
getting caught up in the honeymoon stages of planning the wedding, taking a lavish vacation, honeymoon, the whole gig sets our feelings and expeditions with money aside. But now, like when we were in London and we were getting ready to leave, my husband says, honeymoon's over. Get back to work. I'm like, wow, we're not even home yet. (laughs) Get back to work. But what? So, yeah. So honeymoon's over. Now it's time to get your concerns out there in the open because arguing about money, again, top predictor in divorce, especially when they happen early on in your marriage. And I've seen some scary ones. Some of those marriages don't end a divorce, but constant fighting about money, problems, and and the tension that follows can kill whatever happiness you may have hoped for, creating resentment and animosity. So here are the five top money issues that you and your spouse or fiancé, if it's not too late, can discuss before it becomes too late as money being an issue. And this one is a toughie because we... um, We all have, as you know, from brain-based financial literacy, and if you've been listening to this program for any length of time, we all have our own emotional baggage that affects our moolah, our own pre-programmed behavior when it comes to that. And number one is debt, whether it's a student loan, credit cards, car loans, or a gambling habit. Most people have some sort of financial baggage that tags along with them to the altar. This can cause problems when discussions about budgeting and paying off debt comes up, especially if one spouse brings more debt than the other or one brings more money than the other. Or even if you came into the marriage debt-free, but now you find yourself saddled with a ton of it. It can be an anchor that keeps your financial plan from moving forward. And sometimes it's for years depending on how large the debt is in relation to your income. Second, personality is one of the biggest influences on how you manage money. It's something that has been deeply rooted in you since childhood and is difficult to change. A couple might be completely debt-free but can still run into trouble if one is a saver and the other is a spender. And they always say opposites attract, so that's likely to happen. Yeah. You know, that you get two, if you get two spenders, uh uh-oh, I hope you guys win the lottery. To help with that debt. Um, It happens when couples don't take the time to truly get to know each other and maybe they rush to the altar too quick and they weren't able to really see anything about the other spouse because they were still dealing with the rose-colored glasses, you know. And, you know, I I think that that's another thing, too, is expectation about marriage. Everybody thinks it's going to be all roses and stuff. But biologically, the whole purpose of chemistry and 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 getting together with someone is all about procreation you know from our basic instinctual brain it's nothing more than that <laughs> now i mean of course there's our spiritual growth which is just a whole nother factor but ideally we mate because of biology you know and sometimes we don't listen it's like couples that have chronic problems having a baby like they can't conceive there's a reason for it and it's usually that the chromosomes are too similar and so they know automatically not to get together um so uh, and because we're in this modern age and 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 we think so logically that we think that we can you know in our age of enlightenment that we overcome things like that but it's yeah. just not the way it is yeah. um so uh but personality can definitely influence in your money personality specifically, can definitely influence or affect your marriage. And again, that can cause feelings of hatred, resentment, and you know, living with someone you resent is not a good way to live. And I know this because I'm speaking from experience. Yay. 
Yay for the first marriage. There's a start of marriage. <laughs> it was like, woo, practice, do over. Marriage number two is going much better. <laughs> Oops, well, some of us needed more practice. You're a man. <laughs> My husband's on number four, so it's okay. <laughs> He's one ahead of you. So income, this is a biggie, you know, because love is supposed to conquer all, but it doesn't. Uh, if one spouse is working or one earns more than the other, it can be easy for a spouse with more money to, to initiate a power play. They try to dictate how the money is to be spent. Some go to the extreme of financial bullying. And this can be multiplied when a spouse is unemployed or underemployed, adding insult to injury. It's easy to rationalize the idea, but it undermines the importance of the couple working as a team toward common goals. That's not nice. No, it's not. You know, and and you've got... You got gender also kind of plays into that income thing, you know, because it's traditional that the man is supposed to earn more, but what if he doesn't? I think yeah, I think those things have to be thrown out the window at this point. Yeah, but you know what? They're not. So well, but but it, but it was a big factor in in my marriage, and, you know. And I, and I think I still hold on to some of that foolishness, you know. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm an old schooler, so. Right. But I, I don't. I think it's more than old school because you know I made more than my husband, yeah. and it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work. You know, the man wants to be the man. Now, I did have a girlfriend who was married, and her husband worked while she raised kids, and then she got into the mortgage business, and she was just whooping tail. Yeah, and she was crushing him income wise, and so. Um, they kind of reversed the roles, but it was kind of sort of an outward disgust agreement that she would wear the pants and he would stay at home and take care of the house. And their arrangement worked out well. But again, that's what this whole point of this article is because they had open and honest communication about yeah. that. And so she wasn't usur- usurping his role as the man. They were just kind of switching their roles. And so, you know, she thought, look, you know, you, let, you worked really hard so I could stay home and raise our children to have quality kids out there in the world. And so now I'm going to return the favor for allowing me that privilege, nice. you know? And so, so it worked for them, but it, you know, it, unfortunately for me, it didn't, it didn't work in my first marriage because, um, I, I had to wear the pants and the skirt and, and it just, it didn't work because I earned and he spent yeah. And and I never got to enjoy any of my own money, but that played into one of you know my money dynamics that I have. One of my money dramas is that you know from early on when I made money, my mom took it all. Yep. You know, and You're so I was used to having to give up my paycheck yeah. to other people, and I got punished when I spent discretionary. You know, I held back money. You know, because I wanted a pair of dolphin shorts. That was like the big deal in the late seventies, early eighties. Those those two tone running shorts. Yeah. And, and so like I was holding back a dollar or $2 each time and they were like $12 and whatever. I mean, I I almost remember it like it was yesterday. And so, um, you know, when they showed up in the wash, my mom flipped out. She thought I stole them. And I was like, no, I bought them. She goes, where did you get the money? And I said, well, I saved it and I got in trouble for saving and I got punished for holding money back. So that created a money drama later on in life that I spent everything I made. And then I spent more than I made because I got in trouble for savings. You know, it was just a ridiculous, retarded kind of thing. 
<laughs> yeah, but it, but it's amazing how that carries forward. It took me forever to become a vigilant saver, and I was punished for saving, so that's why I didn't save. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, so it's a crazy deal. But that fed right into, you know, my my first husband, you know, um, came from a culture where the the moms baby their their sons, yeah. and so he just transferred his dependence from mama to me. Yeah. Uh, but the checks got bigger. You know what I mean? Because I made more. So, uh, so income can be an issue, and and it needs to be discussed. You know, I mean, some people make it work. You know, uh, but it but it won't if it's not outwardly discussed and everybody feels safe and secure in their gender roles because you know the income roles, you know, can usurp those gender roles pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, uh, extended family. This is a toughie when it comes to money. And I remember when I was talking about this with my editor on Cracking Your Money Code when we were, we're, we were working on the book in this one section, and we were talking about hope for the best, plan for the worst, and he didn't really understand what that key was about, and, and about having, you know, like your financial fire escape plan. He didn't get that. Yeah. And I said, so, well, I said, so what happens, you know, if, you're, if your mom's parents you know, need care. And he goes, well, her father's not here. It's just her mother, my mother-in-law. And I said, so is it cool if m- mom-in-law moves in if, if she needs uh, extended care? And he goes, hell no. <laughs> they hadn't talked about that. And, and I said, does your wife know? And he said, hell no. <laughs> so that could be a problem. Yeah. And that needs to be discussed when, you're, when mom-in-law doesn't need to be living there. Yeah. So you can be logical and address everybody's emotional needs in a state of comfort and support, not in a state of vulnerability or, or fear and, and everybody's wanting to get attacked and stuff like that. So it's important. You know, his family wants to take a trip to Disneyland. Your brother needs to, a place to stay for a few months. Before you know it, your sp- one spouse is agreeing to things because family is most important, while the other spouse is wondering why our family needs are not as important. It can also get the other way when one spouse's parents are able and willing to pay for vacation expenses and extravagant Christmas gifts while the other family isn't. And that, with extended family relations, can reach their meddling fingers into your wallet. Makes me think of our guest from the Sandbox, sandbox War, Stephanie. Yeah. And, and the meddling fingers. Oh, I, yeah, I, just, I had a chat with my brother the other day, and just, you know, after that show, I, I made a point to call my brother and just mm-hmm. thank, thank him for taking care of my mother. I mean, it was just, there was never an issue. Oh, I bet he was probably so grateful that it came out of the blue like that. You know, he's he's funny. He doesn't show his emotions very well, but I'm sure he was he was appreciative. Oh, on the inside? Yeah. Yeah, that was a big good doggy. Because there were five of us. You know, none of us wanted to manage her money, and he he invested it. He made money for her, and you know we all trusted him, and it was a, you know it was just a a good thing. Right. Yeah. And and it doesn't always work out that way. No. You know what I mean? Hardly ever works. <laughs> Sometimes there's always that nefarious character, the black sheep. Yeah. I was the black sheep in my family. <laughs> we, we, all, we all inherited a nice little check, you know, because of him. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and what a wonderful thing that that particular interview and that show inspired you yeah. to make that phone call. Yeah. Because, you know, gratitude is something that we can give that costs us nothing but the time invested to express it. Right. But it goes so far. Yeah. Gratitude is so important. 
Yeah, so last but not least in our uh, five ways moolah can destroy marriage is the dividing line. Yours, mine, and ours. Sometimes money habits are so divergent that couples decide to split their expenses and maintain separate bank accounts to avoid future arguments. While this is not always the worst solution to such a problem, and it allows each spouse to spend what they have left as they see fit, it can still build resentment over extraneous purchases either spouse makes. So this kind of also plays into the wage disparity thing. It's difficult to reach future common goals such as retirement and traveling, etc., when you have that dividing line. But sometimes in the case of remarriages, additional marriages, and things like that, it's a good thing, you know. I was burned in my first marriage. I got fleeced for everything I had. Uh, my current husband got fleeced, you know, in a few marriages, you know, uh, along the way. So, um, so each of us was, you know, once or more than once bitten, twice shy. And so for us, it made sense because our businesses weren't connected. None of our our assets were connected, that it made sense for us to keep those things separate because they, they, they weren't necessary to our lifestyle. And, and that's a, a fortunate thing, and not everybody is in that position um, where you're able to agree to disagree agreeably, you know. And, and the dividing line can, you know, it can be a double-edged sword. It can be a good thing. You know, especially if you are the subsequent spouse of someone that has children from a previous marriage or you have children from a previous marriage, that's an important thing to be be able to, but it should be discussed openly. It shouldn't just be done without a discussion because you don't want to harbor resentments or any ill will or feelings toward the other. But, you know, you know, and everybody at that stage of the game should know. And the key word is should. Maybe many people won't, you know, won't know, or they'll just assume it's supposed to be different. But most people should know that you have previous obligations and commitments from previous marriages, mm-hmm. and that you got to honor those. Sure. You know, alimony in addition to your yeah, alimony, child support, separate maintenance is an issue. You know, you may be on the receiving end of that while your spouse is dishing it out on the other end. You know, or both of you may be dishing it out depending on how your previous divorce yeah. was handled. You know, so so those dividing lines are not the panacea that people think they are, you know. So especially in today's times, while we think we are so evolved and so enlightened, we must always remember biology breaks all the rules when it comes to money management. And so even though we like to think that we're evolved human beings in this new millennium, we're still creatures that are operating with a brain from, you know, 10,000 years ago designed to elude saber-toothed tigers. So as long as we keep that in mind and keep the doorway to communication open on both sides, we have a greater chance of success in our marriage or at least a greater chance of money not being the problem a marriage falls apart. There are all those other lovely things that, that can damage mirror. But this way, by knowing what these things are and openly discussing these things, either prior to saying I do or as soon as you possibly can, like, hey, when this show is done, perhaps maybe you could 
set a time where the both of you can be emotionally disengaged from anything. Remember our key, hope for the best plan for the worst, and have those conversations and talk about the things that are uncomfortable because, you know, what do we talk about? You've got to have a solid plan B so your mind lets go of it because, remember, we only think about consciously seven to nine things plus or minus two. But subconsciously, we're processing 40 billion bits of information every second. And so we may not consciously be thinking about these things, but subconsciously we are, and our bodies will dwell on it subconsciously. And and so what they say, what you resist persists. If you avoid talking about it, it's not going to go away, and it may get worse. So follow the fear. Go address what you fear most. Because mostly, regardless of the fear, whether it's fear of flying, fear of heights, fear of, you know, uh, closed spaces, whatever your fear is, you know, it's mostly the fear of the unknown. And once we can break something down and make it a known entity, we can't unknow it. You know, it's like, it's, it's, you know, like walking, you know, we crawled first and then we got up and walked and now we run. So we're not going to unknow how to walk, unless, of course, we have serious brain damage, but we're not going to unknow how to walk. Once you know something, you always know it. You may not remember it, but you'll always know it. And so once we can get the brain engaged in these discussions and open these areas of fear or concern and make them known, they go away. They kind of, you know, you create your plan and it goes away on itself. So... Anyway, we have so much more in store for you. we got Moolah Word of the Day. We've got our guest, Tony Fiorillo, and the Keys to Riches coming up. You're listening to Unlock Your Wealth Radio. We'll be right back after this. Commander Marty Logan here from the Top Gun Seminars. What I've learned over the years is that the most successful people in life have coaches to guide them along their chosen path. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, Tony Stewart, Tom Hopkins, Kathy Colby all had coaches. Whether it was their father, someone else's father, or another person who helped them to shape their desires into an achievable path to success with a system of accountability where quitting was the only way to fail. Each of these people had someone who didn't see them as they first were, but as the person inside they knew they could easily become. Financial coaching can be the single addition you need to become financially independent. Call the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation now for your free consultation. 1-866-966-9420. That toll-free number again is 1-866-966-9420. Or visit us on the web at www.unlockyourwealth.com. I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Too much month left over at the end of the money? Tired of paying off debt again like a slave? Then tune in to my one-minute update on Fort Myers Beach Radio for your morning cup of money motivation. And for more tips, visit crackingyourmoneycode.com. Greenback is your neighborhood lender for auto title loans. We offer fast and easy cash title loans for cars, trucks, and motorcycles. Keep your car with title loans from $100 to $50,000. There are no year or mileage limits at Greenback. And we offer the cheapest rates in Arizona, guaranteed. For more information, visit GreenbackTitleLoans.com or call 480-926-6666. Work all day, stress all night, take your mind off your money and focus on your Welcome back to the show, everyone. You are listening to Unlock Your Wealth Radio, and I am she, your maven of moolah. Heather Wagonall's in time for your moolah word of the day. 
And it is a phrase. It is the Consumer Credit Index. And the Consumer Credit Index is a monthly report showing the rate of change in credit-based consumer spending. This report reflects the annualized and seasonally adjusted rate of change for revolving, which is credit cards, and non-revolving, which is auto loans and student loans, et cetera, debt. This excludes mortgages and loans secured with real estate. So this is an indicator like consumer confidence, like all these other indicators, but consumer credit is an indicator of how much we're spending on credit because we know what we're totally spending and this gives us an idea of what percentage of that is in credito for those of you in Espanol. Credito. Credito. So I'm really excited because we have an in-studio guest, which you don't always get to have. Tony Fiorello joins us in studio. His degrees are in economics from Eastern Illinois and international business from the University of London. How fancy. (laughs) In addition, he studied investment decisions and behavioral finance. Who's that? And right up our alley. At Harvard. Mr. Fiorillo serves as a, or served, past tense, as a controller for a multi-state uh, produce distribution company. And he was also a registered investment principal as well as a registered representative. He has held designations as both. And he's the former host of the weekly radio program called the Asset Management Strategy Show. And now he joins us in studio. Tony, welcome to Unlock Your Wealth Radio. Thanks so much for being a part of our show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And and I'm so excited because you're a man after my own heart, and you get the whole brain-based financial literacy and that behavior drives our financial decisions and not our financial decisions driving our financial decisions, like what life event is occurring and how we need to prepare for that. How did you get involved or made aware of behavioral finance? You know, um, I didn't realize until many years into my career that my path was quite a bit different. Most people went to work for a, a, a wirehouse Wall Street firm and they got their securities license they got uh, a telephone and a phone book, and they were told to go sick them. You know, go yeah. go find clients and see how much money you can make from them. And I started out working in high school in my father's accounting practice. And back in the late 70s and early 80s, when interest rates were sky high, people were making a ton of money just for having their money in the in the bank and money markets and CDs. It wasn't unusual to see 12, 15% interest. Uh, unfortunately, they had high taxation. And you got free toasters and all kinds <laughs> all of that, stuff when you opened up stuff. a new savings yeah. account. Do you remember that? And I I remember uh, 30-year treasuries were paying 15%. And people said, well, I don't want to do, I don't want to buy that. What if interest rates go up? (laughs) That was my first lesson in behavioral finance. I probably didn't even realize it. But, But what I recognized from that was I told people, you know, when they asked me, what can I do to keep my taxes down? I said, well, go buy something that's tax deferred or tax free. And the next year they came back, lo and behold, they're 
interest, taxable interest income was lower. And I said, oh, great, what'd you do? And they said, well, I talked to my insurance guy and he sold me some whole life insurance. Or I talked to my <laughs> this new stockbroker and he sold me this real estate limited partnership. And I thought, well, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, all that well versed on investments at that point in my career, but I, I do recognize and appreciate that those are the two highest commission products that anybody can sell you. Yeah. And, and I kind of sent you out there to those wolves. So I felt like, you know, I need to learn how to do this to protect my own client base. So it was different than having to go out and find a client base. We already had a client base that we needed to protect. Mm -hmm. So that's how I started out in the business. And and in the very early days, um, you couldn't hardly talk to people about the stock market and putting money into mutual funds. And, you know, I showed them how they could put money in a fixed annuity that would pay 10% rather than a one-year CD that paid 7%. And I said, well, take that extra 3% that you're just getting for free and dollar cost average into money, into mutual funds. And if you lose 100% of it, you're still money. You're still, you're still even. Yeah. So, so it was, I evolved in my career as uh, my clients evolved as well. Yeah, that's, that's interesting that you had the accounting background, you know, because uh, that gave you a nice foundation of understanding that red is bad and black is good and I want to be in the black because a lot of people don't have that foundation to understand checks and balances and cash flow and and then to be able to parlay that into investment opportunities practically by being able to say take that 3% and go do something else with it and right. and, and be able to you know potentially make an even bigger spread somewhere else one of the things that I have found is that we all know to spend less and save more. That's not a sophisticated concept. And yet people like me have thousands of listeners because even though we know better, we don't do better. And it's that biological um, uh, process that goes on between our logic brain, which is our last that we use in our first brain, which is survival and emotion. We process those two brains first. So it's all about seeking pleasure and avoiding pain in this moment. And when we look at investments, you know, and you think, wow, you guys are buying at the top of the market and selling at the bottom market. How stupid is that? I mean, everybody can make that assessment, yet... You know, what do you see in, in practical application, especially with clients that you've had for a while and you tell them to buy low and sell high? I mean, what do they think of that concept? Is that something they, they agree with? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting lesson in behavioral finance. You know, as, as I sit down with people and say we're going to, you know, years ago when we were only modern portfolio theory, we, we were buy and hold, you know, build a strong foundation, hope that that foundation weathers the storm. And, and in those days, the storms only came every 30 or 35 years. And they came after a significant above average run up in the stock market. You know, the, the uh, sell off in the Great Depression, Twenty nine to thirty three was after the roaring twenties. You know, the market correction of forty five percent in seventy two and seventy three was after the boom of the stock market, after the hyper growth out of uh, World War Two. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we had uh, ninety five to ninety nine, where we had five consecutive years that the S and P was up better than twenty percent per year. When we had three consecutive years, it was a record in the history of our stock market. And then we went on to have a fourth and then a fifth. So. It was a little understandable that the market might come down to a, to the median, but what happened uh, after that, after that correction, was five years later, uh, we had another correction, and it wasn't 
30 or 35 years later, and it wasn't after a way above the average uh, increase in the stock market. And that was particularly painful, and, and that made us change our philosophy on, on how we invest. But when we used to do the, the buy and hold, you know, build the foundation and hope that it's strong enough kind of strategy, um, we'd talk to people and we'd say, you know, we're going to buy low and we're going to sell high, and here's how we're going to do it. It's going to be a discipline. It's going to be a process. It's not, you know, my unique abilities to do such. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a documented process. And and I would also tell them that a year later, you're going to come into my office and demand that I do exactly the opposite. And they always did. <laughs> so, you know, we would allocate the portfolio into a number of different categories. And sure enough, a year later, they'd come out and come back and they'd say, well, you know, here's a category that's not performed as well. This one's a dog. Why do we have money allocated here? It's not doing anything. Let's get rid of this one. Let's put that money into the one that's doing the best. Here's our shining star. They've probably even done the math in their head mm-hmm. to tell you how much money they would have made if they had allocated oh, yeah. that way. Oh, yeah. And and so what they're saying without uh, verbalizing it succinctly is uh, I want to sell low and buy high and and our job is really more as a coach so you know the way I look at it even Tiger Woods the greatest golfer probably that the world has ever seen has a coach is that all pros have a coach right they all have a coach. I, I think the key word that you used was discipline. Discipline is a conscious activity, and behavior is subconscious. Right. So, and most of the time, those two don't meet, and it's just part of life. So, now, you've referred to our previous theory and the way the buy and hold and, you know, the Warren Buffetts, all of that kind of plays into that former mentality but now you know we've got we've got stocks on on companies that don't have physical bricks and mortar foundation and they're doing phenomenally so we we have air stocks i kind of got a lot because there's it's not real physically tangible some of these businesses that are major public companies multinational companies uh, a lot of service oriented companies are now in the fortune 500 you know, and, I, and i think of some of our package delivery companies as part of that you know worldwide stuff but it's a service it's not even something that's physical uh, that that we can touch and see and feel. And so our strategies have to change. And that's kind of what I'm thinking that what I liked about you and your practice and what you're doing with your business and your clients because you have kind of switched up that thinking, haven't you? We have. You know, I, I kind of recognized it was it was very similar to, um, you know, you've seen the news stories, the, the, uh, the youngest... Uh, newscaster is there on the beach as the hurricane's coming across. <laughs> the governor has declared to evacuate the beach, right? And the, uh, the, the youngest newscaster is out there in a rain slicker and 50 mile an hour winds and a cameraman uh, is interviewing this old couple who's boarding up their windows on their beach house. Right. And they say, we've been here for 50 years. We're not going anywhere. Well, I recognize that we don't want to be that last couple on the beach anymore. Right. If the storm's coming, we want to get out. And we want to get, seek higher ground and we want to seek that safety. And if we're wrong and the storm doesn't come or the storm diverts or the storm diminishes and it's not nearly as bad as we thought it could be, then the worst we're guilty of is that we took a little bit too much safety in the process. So, mm-hmm. so the worst that we could be guilty of is that we didn't make as much money, but we're not going to stand there uh, and hope that our foundation is strong enough to, to weather that storm because we've had a couple of bad storms and most people at some point in those last two market sell-offs have either 
at the very least, questioned their strategy or more likely completely derailed their strategy because of not having a strong enough foundation to weather that. That, then I think that that's critical for folks to understand. And when we get back from the break, I want to continue this discussion because I think that there's some really neat techniques and some things that people need to be aware of as they start planning for their retirement. And I believe that you actually have a report available for folks that you can do that can help people understand this new world that they're going to be retiring in. We've got compression and morbidity. We're living longer. Social Security's not going to be there. How do we take care of ourselves? You are listening to Tony Fiorillo on Unlock Your Wealth Radio, and we will be right back with more after this. Commander Marty Logan here from the Top Gun Seminars. What I've learned over the years is that the most successful people in life have coaches to guide them along their chosen path. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, Tony Stewart, Tom Hopkins, Kathy Colby all had coaches. Whether it was their father, someone else's father, or another person who helped them to shape their desires into an achievable path to success with a system of accountability where quitting was the only way to fail. Each of these people had someone who didn't see them as they first were, but as the person inside they knew they could easily become. Financial coaching can be the single addition you need to become financially independent. Call the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation now for your free consultation. 1-866-966-9420. That toll-free number again is 1-866-966-9420. Or visit us on the web at www.unlockyourwealth.com. I'm Anna Wagonhall. Too much month left over at the end of the money? Tired of paying off debt like a slave? Then tune in to my one-minute update on the Jiggy Jaguar radio network for your cup of money motivation. And for more tips, visit crackingyourmoneycode.com. Greenback is your neighborhood lender for auto title loans. We offer fast and easy cash title loans for cars, trucks, and motorcycles. Keep your car with title loans from $100 to $50,000. There are no year or mileage limits at Greenback. And we offer the cheapest rates in Arizona, guaranteed. For more information, visit GreenbackTitleLoans.com or call 480-926-6666. Welcome back to the show, everyone. You are listening to Unlock Your Wealth Radio, and I am she, your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonhoff, and I'm joined by my very special guest in studio, Tony Fiorello, and we're having a great conversation. We talked about foundations and how investing has changed over time, and everybody's concerned about retirement. We've got compression of morbidity, which means that we're living longer and better quality of lives, and frankly, for me, that old adage that, oh, well, your expenses are going to go down when you hit retirement. Everything's going to be great. Well, when I retire and I have time to go do the things that I can't do right now because I'm working, I want to spend more money. I don't want to have to still sacrifice and save. I mean, I grew up with this coupon, you know, you got to buy it if it's on sale and that's the only time you can have something is if it's on sale. And and so I'm tired of coupons. I want to go pay retail. I want to pay more to be first in line. I want the VIP treatment in my retirement. So I mean, it means I have to have more money. So that's going to mean a different strategy, isn't it? It does. You know, there's uh, one of the questions I get, I hear most often is uh, how much can I spend? You know, what percentage of my money, another way to ask that is what percentage of my money can I spend each year and not have to worry about outliving my retirement savings, which is a really good question. I mean, we always say that, you know, we only need three things in order to build the perfect financial plan. We need you to answer these three questions. Number one, 
you know, what is your inflation rate going to be? As you mentioned, you know, some people spend more, some people spend less. On average, people spend about 10% less per decade that they age in retirement. But that's a rule of thumb. Everybody individually is different. Mm -hmm. So my question is, what's your inflation rate for the remainder of your life? The second question is, how much are your assets going to grow or appreciate uh, year over year, and that could be an interest rate, it could be dividends, it could be growth, it could be however you define it, but how much is your money going up year over year? Mm-hmm. Tell me that for the rest of your life. And then last thing, tell me the day that, the date that you're going to die. If you can tell me all three of those things, then I'm we like, can... What? <laughs> you tell me those three things and we can mm, make sure that your check... Never? To, the, the goal is that the check to your undertaker bounces. Right. So we, yes, we Bobby get Lane that. said that. My husband always quotes Bobby Lane, I want to run out of breath and money at the same time. Exactly. But the problem is we don't know the answer to any of those three questions. So what we do in planning, what I call... I can answer the inflation rate one. I'm going to spend 10% more this year than I did last year. Yeah, I, I had that conversation with a guy that was 70-some <laughs> years old one time, and he said, well, I can tell you the day that I'm, I'm going to die. And I said, how are you going to do that? And he said, well, I get to that point, I can just off myself. I'm like, okay, well, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for playing. <laughs> Next. <laughs> so, you know, we, we look at um, the academic theory, which is the 4% rule. Have you heard of the 4% rule? As you can take out, you mentioned, you know, yeah. the other day on one of your uh, broadcasts, you need about 25 times what you're going to spend, which is mm-hmm. 4%. So if you have a million dollars, you take out $40,000 a year, that's 4%. You look at... Uh, 25 times 40, that's a million dollars. So either way you want to look at it. But 4% is kind of the academic theory, and that's done in a vacuum. And as we studied in economics, there was always this little disclaimer at the bottom that said, all things remaining equal. (laughs) And then you get out in the real world and you find out that, wait a minute, none of these variables remain equal. Exactly. So, you know, we know, for example, that the 4% rule is, is totally incorrect. I mean, we can go buy an annuity without an inflation rider that will get you 6% for the rest of your life if you live to be 180. So we know that the 4% rule is not accurate. But I think a safer rule is we need to have a plan that's not going to peg your life expectancy plus five years and think that we're okay because I think we're going to continue to exceed those, those longevity tables. We need to have a plan that we're using the output of the engine and the engine just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. So, you know, the best plan in what I call distribution theory is, you know, let's say that you retire and you're and you're fortunate and you can retire early before you're 60 years old. Well, in those years, you may travel more. You may travel, you know, to exotic places. You may spend a lot more money. Mm-hmm. But when you're 85 years old, you may not have that burning desire to go back to that 13-hour bus ride through the middle of Malaysia to get to some <laughs> mountaintop, right? Yes. Well, uh, hopefully by the time I get there, I've seen them all. <laughs> that's right. So once you get to that point, you'll say, you know, it's not worth the hassle, the travel. Uh, I've been there, done that. Don't need to go back. And and what happens is you end up spending less money. So, you know, when you're young, when you're active, spend more money, mm-hmm. you know, do more things. But um, But the best plans are the ones that have variables built into them. So that you look at, okay, what happens if we have a, a poor market scenario in the first five years after I retire? That has a dramatically different effect on the probability of your assets lasting decades and decades and decades than if that poor market 
occurrence happens in the 30th or 35th year of your retirement. Mm -hmm. So if that variable happens, what safety valves have you built in to your plan to account for that? And let's say that you could say, okay, well, if I needed to take out, you know, 5% of my money, then if the account value goes down, I'm going to restrict myself to 5% of whatever's there, not 5% of the original balance. So I'll adjust as I go down. Or you might say, you know, uh, just bad luck and timing of when I retired. I'm gonna I'm gonna return that call for that offer that I had for a consulting job, and I'm gonna work a day a week, or I'm gonna um, not take those trips internationally. We'll just take a trip domestically. So you tighten your belt. If you add that safety valve to your plan, it has a dramatic effect on the life expectancy of, of the probability of your money lasting years and years and years. You know that's very similar to the concepts that I'm teaching my nephew who started investing with me last year. And I, and I gave him a bit of a motivator and I told him that I would match him dollar for dollar. He had to save a thousand bucks. Can I get that deal? Yeah. (laughs) Well, if you mow lawns and pick up dog do and, and in the next three months I will get in, you save a thousand dollars, you and I can go investing. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds good. And that's, you know, it, it was funny because I gave him three months and he did it in like four weeks. I'm like, what the? And, but he was inspired. Great lesson learned. Yeah. And, and we t- I taught that, that safety valve thing. We talked about the goose that lays the golden egg. And you can't take five eggs from a goose that only laid three. Right. You can't do it. You know, but if you feed your goose and take care of your goose, maybe you'll get five next time. But, you know, you've got to be flexible in that. And as long as you don't kill your goose, you know, or it's like, well, you know, I only got three eggs, but I'm going to cut his foot off. You know, you you can't, you can't, you can't hurt the goose. One of the problems that we have are uh, a lot of the financial planning software has very little flexibility. They do what they call Monte Carlo simulation, where they take a random year for this type of asset that you hold in your portfolio, and they pick a random year, and they say, oh, in that year, the mark, that market did X percent, and they apply that uh, to the portfolio and the percentage that you hold in the portfolio, and then they redo that um, you know, sample 10,000 times to come up with the probability. Well, they don't allow for any adjustment to that. What if you didn't just sit and do nothing as the markets were melting away? You can't build that into any financial planning software. And that's a limitation. That's a significant limitation. We we now employ what we call trend following, but we don't short the market. Uh, We really like to be more fully in the market most of the time. Mm -hmm. But we do want that safety valve to say there are circumstances, there are times that we will absolutely say enough is enough and we're getting out. And it's not my call. It's, you know, if it were my call, it would just be market timing. Mm-hmm. You know, we use a software that measures the price movement of these different assets that we hold. And it is a discipline. If it were attitude or opinion, it's just market timing. Right. And, and I don't believe market timing works, but trend following works very, very effectively. I, I think so, too. And I think that people overreact. But again, this is a behavior thing versus, you know, an actual analysis type and strategic move. But, you know, my thought is that people don't look at the trends as they should. You know, when when there is a crash or a drop in the market, that's like getting, you know, bargains. And people right. forget that that's a sale. You know, and and when I on my radio show, I remember when I was at KFNX, 
that a person called in, and this was in 2003, and they said, when is the real estate bubble going to pop? And I said, that's not what you need to look for. And at the time, I was still actively doing mortgages. And then they said, really? And I said, the mortgage bubble is more massive and more devastating than anybody could comprehend. And, and, and people just said, what? They're like, you don't even know what you're talking about. And I, and I was trying to explain why we had this artificial run-up in value here. And, and, it, and it just had to do with inventory. We had an inventory shortage. And that's why our market started to go gangbusters. And if you're in California and you're an investor, you're looking at Arizona and you're like, I can get you know, a $300,000 condo in California for 150. It's like half price. So they came here, destroyed our marketplace. And then all of those mortgage products that, you know, we had the low doc, no doc, uh, create a doc loans. And so there was only a short period of time that those were going to adjust and people were going to, and, and they weren't qualifying people properly. And so it was almost to the day, it was so funny. I said, give me three to five years and I'll give you the most massive, devastating market crash you'll ever see because banks are going to fail. And people were like, whatever. And the few people that listened became multimillionaires. Well, yeah, the, the problem with that is that there, there was a lot of people that said, you know, this can't perpetuate itself, you know, going forward. Right. Uh, and there were a lot of hedge fund managers that put on massive, massive, uh, you know, bets in that direction. Mm-hmm. But the crash didn't happen soon enough, and they ended up blowing the, their whole fund up. Right. So the ones that timed it to the point where the crash actually happened made a lot of money. Right. But, uh, you know, um, some of the biggest um, the biggest minds in Wall Street, um, you know, said that this, this run-up through the 80s and 90s wasn't going to last. And finally, they were right. But they were wrong for 20 years of the 20 most powerful right. years of the stock market run-up in history. But some of them were starting to drink the Kool-Aid. I, I don't, cause, and I think that I have a different perspective because I was in the mortgage business and I was seeing day-to-day in the trenches what was going on. Mm-hmm. And the people that were selling these um, products, and I'll be gracious, yeah. <laughs> these products, these, these default swaps, you know, they were only saying what they were told to say, like the conversation we were having as a side conversation about how we were trained in the investment business. You you preached what you were told to preach, and you sold what you were told to sell. And so people never questioned that. They never understood it. They were only concerned about making their current commission right now. Yeah, you know, you can look at the real estate uh, run up and and crash, um, you know, a lot of different ways. I mean, you could fault the mortgage brokers for selling products that uh, they didn't maybe fully explain. You could fault the consumers for buying mortgages that they didn't maybe fully explain. And and who reads through, you know, that wheelbarrow full of paperwork that you have to sign to get through a mortgage in the first place? But when it came down to, okay, this is what you're going to pay. And it may go up to this at the end of the year. It may go up to this in five years. You have a responsibility to understand that number. Right. So, you know, from the consumer who bought the mortgage to the mortgage broker who placed the mortgage to the real estate agent who sold the house at maybe an inflated price to Wall Street who packaged up these products and resold them, even knowing that at some point they were maybe or probably going to lose money. Right. I say you can't fault those people because that's what the market was driving. Well, yeah, there was demand in a a variety of different areas that perpetuated all of that. I mean, who wouldn't want to live in, you know, a, a, a multi-million dollar palatial sure, estate on sure. a Home Depot salary <laughs> as sure, a checker? But, but if the if the underwriting regulations hadn't have been relaxed, none of that could have happened. 
Well, but the, the, the demand was in the marketplace for it. People were clamoring for it. And so I think that the, the market moved to that point, you know, because the, the underwriting guidelines were there in place. It's just that this is what the underwriter was doing. He was like looking this way and he was signing off his underwriting approval as he's eating a sandwich and watching TV. And he wasn't even looking at it because if he would have looked at it, he would have known what he was doing. But before um, Fannie and Freddie, you know, relaxed the guidelines for underwriting, you didn't have drive-by appraisals. You didn't have any of that kind of shenanigans that, right. that uh, became commonplace. But because of that, that, you know, strategy of wouldn't it be great if everybody owned their own home, uh, even if they couldn't afford to own their own home. Uh, you know, that's that's what created artificially created that market. Oh, yeah. Bill Clinton, 92, is when he said everybody deserves home ownership and only the people that are ready, willing and able to commit to the obligation of home ownership should be eligible for home ownership. So so what happened with the, with it was that the pendulum swung dramatically out of whack to one side where crazy, crazy things were happening. And then the market crashed and the pendulum swung back to the other side. You know, at one point at the worst of the of the real estate market, uh, there were 35% of home sales that were done for cash with no mortgages mm-hmm. whatsoever. And that was because those were the only deals that were, were getting done, the only right. way to get some of those deals done. So, you know, that suppressed the real estate market for probably uh, several years longer because we had stricter underwriting guidelines. So the pendulum swung back the other way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the, we're talking about natural market forces that, that, that cause people to lose money. You know, you have some unique experiences. What about when your buddy, Bernie, you know, says, hey, I got a deal for you to invest in, and it's not really a deal. Well, it's a deal for him, but you wind up holding the short end of the stick. And what happens yeah. when fraud occurs in the marketplace you know, and we get burned that way? Heather, you you were in this industry, uh, so you'll understand this. You know, I've I've come to understand that this is a a very sleazy business in a very expensive suit. Mm-hmm. And it used to be that we thought the definition of success in the investing world was we make money, and if we make money, then that's deemed to be successful. What what we've found in the last several years, with all the headlines, with all the big companies, you know, one after the other. Uh, what we found is that their definition of success was, will it sell? Will they make money? Right. And they didn't really care whether the investor or the customer made money or not. So, you know, again, it's one of these things where you, you have to kind of learn how to protect yourself. And if somebody tells you something that's too good to be true, you know, there, there are only so many moves on the checkerboard. Right. And if somebody tells you a move that is not on that checkerboard, then look out. It's probably not uh, not right. Right. The, the, the rules are going to get you. Yeah. So you have created, and we've had an amazing run here, and, and I've really enjoyed our conversation. But for folks that are thinking, okay, I need, to, I need to do something. I make a lot of money. I spend more. I should probably automate my savings. I should at least figure out what I need to be thinking about for retirement. What resources do you have available for those individuals? Yeah, it, it amazes me every day. You talk to people that really don't uh, fully appreciate where they stand in, in life. Um, some people have 
plenty of assets. Some people are very unrealistic about what they're going to take. Unfortunately, even as wealthy and successful a country as we are, we still have a dramatic number of people that retire and live on nothing but Social Security. So we've offered, we've set up a new website called GetRetirementReport.com. And for free, we're going to run a real retirement planning report. And that report is about 19 pages, and it'll go through exactly what the criteria are for determining whether you're saving enough money, whether you're going to save enough money, how much you're going to be able to spend in retirement, how how long that money will last in retirement. And then it also gives you some variables so that if it's not, if the math is not going to add up for you, what do you do? You know, can you save more? If you're saving too much, can you retire earlier? You know, those kind of things will come out mm-hmm. in the report. The, probably the biggest thing in the report is that we will run the report with traditional historic uh, performance numbers for the various asset classes of the markets. Uh, with our investment style, we think that we can dramatically improve those. So that's a complete game changer. You, you know, as I say, we'll run this nice report, and there are a lot of firms that will charge you a you know, quite a bit of money for this report. We're going to do it for free. And the only thing I can guarantee you in that report, the, the numbers that will be correct, the only numbers that I can guarantee will be correct are the page numbers. <laughs> so it, it's a roadmap. It's a starting point. Right. You know, it's something that it's kind of a moving target, but you need to start somewhere. Yeah, it you, begins you, the conversation. Yeah, you need to, you, and we'll rerun the report as many times as you want us to rerun it. I'd recommend that people have the, run, the report rerun every year. You know, just to see how you're progressing along that path. Well, and life happens. So what was relevant today may not be so much, you know, in, in a year or two. Absolutely. You know, so, so priorities change as life changes. You know, uh, you have a, a, a life-altering event, maybe the death of an income-producing spouse or perhaps the incapacitation of someone. So they're here, but they can't generate income like they used to um, or at all. And and now you have others, other costs. And so maybe saving for that dream vacation or, or, or doing some or retiring early, maybe not be relevant anymore. Right. You know, yeah. so, yeah, you know, let's say that 30 years ago, somebody started their career and they sat down and made their budget and, and projected what their retirement plan would look like. How much did they budget for cell phones or cable TV? Yeah. Zero. Exactly. But they might have budgeted $100 a month for their long-distance telephone. (laughs) So things happen. Before the breakup. I remember that. That's so funny. Well, Tony, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. If folks want to get this retirement report or they want to actually meet with you and spend some time taking a look at where they are and where they could be and run some scenarios with you, how do folks find you? Sure. They they. The website for the retirement report is called GetRetirementReport.com, and it's a real simple. There's about 12 questions. should be pretty easy for you to fill the thing out and, and submit it without even looking anything up. If you just kind of know the general numbers, um, we should be able to generate that report. Anybody that wants to contact me can reach me at my email. It's Tony F, T-O-N-Y-F, at A-M-S-R-I-A.com. Outstanding. Well, thanks so much for being a part thanks of the show. Me. And for those of you in Unlock Your Wealth Radio Nation that don't have a pencil, never fear. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is here where you can visit Tony's show page and get all the linky links to his free report and information on how to contact him directly. You stay tuned because we have the keys to riches coming up on Unlock Your Wealth Radio. We'll be right back after this. 
Commander Marty Logan here from the Top Gun Seminars. What I've learned over the years is that the most successful people in life have coaches to guide them along their chosen path. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, Tony Stewart, Tom Hopkins, Kathy Colby all had coaches. Whether it was their father, someone else's father, or another person who helped them to shape their desires into an achievable path to success with a system of accountability where quitting was the only way to fail. Each of these people had someone who didn't see them as they first were, but as the person inside they knew they could easily become. Financial coaching can be the single addition you need to become financially independent. Call the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation now for your free consultation. 1-866-966-9420. That toll-free number again is 1-866-966-9420. Or visit us on the web at www.unlockyourwealth.com. Heather Wagonalls here from CrackingYourMoneyCode.com. Tune in to my Unlock Your Wealth update for your daily cup of money motivation. Weekdays at 1225 during the midday news report on Corey's Hometown Radio, 1370 AM, WWCB. Greenback is your neighborhood lender for auto title loans. We offer fast and easy cash title loans for cars, trucks, and motorcycles. Keep your car with title loans from $100 to $50,000. There are no year or mileage limits at Greenback, and we offer the cheapest rates in Arizona, guaranteed. For more information, visit GreenbackTitleLoans.com or call 480-926-6666. Work all day, stress all night, take your mind off your money and focus on your life. Welcome back to the show, everyone. You are listening to Unlock Your Wealth Radio, and I am she, your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagon Halls. And it's time for our key, and because we had so much fun with our in-studio guest and got distracted by the cool and clever conversation with Tony Fiorillo, we're going to have an abbreviated key for this week. So this week's key is practicing the three R's, and that is review, revise, and recommit. And this is what differentiates ourselves from every other money management system out there. And the reason why is that budgets uh, should be like life, and they should be flexible, not static. But a budget is static. That's why we break budgets here. And we have healthy savings and spending plans instead. Uh, so first off, I want to say thanks to everybody who's listening. And if you've joined us for the first time, the Keys to Riches is a baker's dozen of financial concepts that make you think like the rich and be in control of your own money. It also gives you specific techniques to create or fix your credit, eliminate debt, save and invest, building wealth while transforming your current financial habits into healthy money management skills. And we're at our second to the last key. We're almost done. And this is a critical step because what we want to do here is first review everything from where we've been. And because this is a biology and brain-based financial literacy program, we want to review first what our goals were. That's the first thing we want to review. We don't want to look at what we spent or what we made. We want to look at what our goals were. So we get those fresh in our mind. So our perspective starts off correctly when we start analyzing stuff because what happens is if we just jump right into the numbers, then we're going to start justifying any bad behavior that may have occurred. So we want to get focused on what it is we truly desire and start there. Then we want to move to the uh, uh, review section. So we actually want to look at our what's the difference or our profit and loss statements that we've come up with from our savings and spending trackers. And we want to see, did we have 
more money coming in than went out. Did we meet our goals or not? And if not, why? Was it because we made a mistake and had a little whoopsie or was it a catastrophic event outside of our control? Like, oh my gosh, I just had a flat tire. And then uh, when my flat tire blew out, I was riding on the rim and it messed the rim up. And so now I needed to not just get a tire, but I also needed to get a rim too and all of that. Or did we just have too much fun when we went down to Cabo? (laughs) And then once we identify what it is, we want to work last week's key, which was forget the perfection principle and do our four-step forgiveness strategy and go through and take the meaning and the message from the mistake and then move on and process that. Then we go to revise. Do we have any new information that may keep us from getting where we want to go? Information like, oops, we didn't expect to have a baby, but in nine months, one will be here. So uh, maybe we have some short-term changes to make to our savings and spending plan or another bigger whoops would be like, uh-oh, uh, my mom or dad has Alzheimer's or dementia, and now they require in-home care, and we can't afford to pay for it, and Obamacare isn't taking care of us. And so we're going to have to have them live with us because we're the only kid or we're the kid that gets stuck with that. So that's going to be a long-term financial change. And in this revised section, this is what keeps us alive. This is what keeps our dreams on track because it gives us the opportunity to change those, whether it's get rid of certain dreams entirely or change the speed and rate at which you accomplish them. You may need to move up that dream house because you're going to need the extra bedrooms because your family size is going to change. But perhaps that lifetime, all expenses paid rent and island vacation might have to wait because now you have all these other additional monthly expenses, it's going to keep you from saving for it. So that's what's critical about that key. And then recommit. We need to pull out of all of our affirmations and the ones that are still relevant, we need to work on uh, and still use those. And the ones that are no longer useful or that we augmented or changed our savings and spending plan, we need to rework those affirmations and perhaps create a few new ones after you've achieved some of these milestones. And remember, if you did achieve things, you must pat yourself on the back. Even if it's just sitting outside, enjoying coffee in the morning, listening to the birds chirp and stuff, and just taking a moment to yourself. Maybe it could be meditation, or if you do have the ability to spend money and reward yourself, maybe it's a manicure or pedicure or a massage or some sort of small something that doesn't break you know, your savings and spending plan, but allows you to reward yourself for the accomplishments that you have made. And that, in a nutshell, is our key for this week, review, revise, and recommit. So it's critical that we practice those three R's. For the key statement, key affirmation, and key action item, please visit our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com. And for more in-depth interviews with money experts, strategies, and members-only tools to fix your credit, get out of debt, and have more money and happiness, do what other savvy listeners have, and visit unlockyourwealthradio.com where you go to get your money mind right so your wealth and happiness will follow. Become an Insiders Club member today and start receiving the benefits of millionaire wisdom right now. Today's show is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audio book, download it, unlockyourwealthradio.com slash freebook, and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or Kindle, or MP3 players. For Unlock Your Wealth Radio and Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. 
UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2013 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com. 